The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Wow. Quick, quick intro. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Culture Insanity. It's been a while, huh? It's been a while. I think, I think our last episode was the end of last summer or something. And then the, the end of the summer and the holidays derailed us. But we're back. I've been going insane without somebody to talk to. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Um, but yeah, so we're back. We're back for season three now. Um, I guess just up front for some uh, sort of housekeeping. Uh, the way we're doing the podcast uh, this year is a little bit different as far as we're viewing things as officially seasons. And so a season for us will run, you know, January through through June, and we'll take a break July and August, um, come back for a couple months in October. In September and October, and then we'll take the holiday break, November, December, and the reason being is to avoid sort of what we had um, going on last year, um, where we were like completely derailed by the busyness and stuff. So just for sustainability purposes, we're uh, we're doing it like that. So look forward to that. So we'll be on the same sort of schedule every two weeks, so twice a month on the second and fourth Saturdays of the month. So 9 a.m. is the is the same start time. So. If you look forward to the podcast, like at least at least a couple people do and have texted me throughout the last few months, um, then that's what you can look forward to. Second and fourth Saturday, 9 o'clock, January through June, September and October. <clears throat> Season three. So here we are. So how you guys been? Peachy. Peachy. <laughs> Good. Um, so I, I had, a, I had a, a fun idea for this episode, and that's the... It's the first episode of the new season. It's the first episode of the year. It's the first episode of a new decade. Um, lots of firsts. So, um, what I sort of wanted to do was theme this uh, this first episode on um, pop culture trends. So, our little trivia game will be on pop culture trends of the last decade, trends or events, um, and that's what the, the, the contestants can look forward to. Um, but then this episode is going to be sort of speculating pop culture trends and events of this next decade, and with those trends, um, where we envision the culture taking us and sort of what will be implied as as we go along in this next decade in this next year so um so yeah that's what that's what i thought um today's episode could be about and i have a i have a few different um sort of topics to sort of provide for us a skeleton but yeah i am not gonna be um offended if we sort of just start spitballing and stuff so if our conversation takes us elsewhere um that's totally fine this episode is just to sort of forecast where we're heading as a culture and what is going to be said along the way and what's going to be implied and what's where truth will be and and all all these different things and how we're going to respond to it as a society as a um as a church at large and 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 these different things so um so that's what today's episode is going to be about so i'm gonna start i'm gonna start off uh, guns blazing. Uh, we're gonna have a caller call in to help us uh, explain one of these things before we talk about it. But um, we're gonna we're gonna start out swinging swinging big. Um, so fashion has sort of become a, a really big thing. Um, I'm not gonna say for the first time or again. Fashion's always been a big thing, depending on the circles you are in. But it seems to be more of a more of a thing. Uh, today um like with the younger you know, the younger crowd and and how it's being done and how it's being released and all these different things so um so we're going to talk a little bit about fashion i'm going to read a little bit of excerpt here from an from an article i pulled and then uh we'll, we'll just ask some questions about it and we'll you know speculate on what that means for us so um a big thing right now with fashion is different brands and different companies uh being uh gender sensitive or gender fluid as far as how they promote their um their product 
right? Um, so you, you may or may not have heard about that, but it's a big thing in the, the fashion industry right now um, that gender fluid, gender fluid clothing is, is a make or break, so they say. So this is what uh, one article says. <clears throat> and we can talk about it. Gender consideration has never been more prevalent. Brands that are not recognizing people who identify as non-binary, meaning male or female, will alienate an important and rapidly growing section of society and will also lose the support of other culturally aware and socially conscious consumers. Brands need to stay ahead of this as we are living in an era of ultra-specialization and personalization that applies to gender identification as much as it, as it applies to product design. Brands can engage through product and message development that speaks directly to the non-binary audience and celebrates their individuality. For brands unsure of how to engage, I suggest considering partnerships with existing cause-based organizations as an initial step. Those ready to make a more meaningful and culture-shaping, quote-unquote, approach could develop limited-edition, gender-neutral products. Sure. Oh, I thought it was going to be a wow. It's a sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the basic question for all these different topics is, what is this going to mean for us moving forward? As a, as a basic, you know, Kickstarter question, but... Um, Will businesses fear failure if they are not "quote unquote" cause based? Um, so, with, in in this regard, it has to do with being gender uh, fluid and um, sensitive to people's different uh, identifications that they they want to be um, known by. Um, so, what do we think? Is this going to be a continuing trend, or is this a, a blip? Um, are we going to start seeing? Um, this on a mass scale or is it going to be like uh, a specialty, a specialty thing but not really um, on a mass level what do we think about this <clears throat> you're asking me Are you I'm a, I'm probably asking the two gonna, least fashionable gonna, people in the room right go. now <laughs> Well, you know, I mean... Wait, what does that mean? First, it means you have your gear and you have your gear and you don't stray from it. <laughs> it just first, is what it is. Well, first and foremost, I envision uh, jeans with no more zipper. Jeans with no more zipper? Yeah, jeans with no zippers. Okay. And instead it will be... I don't, I understand what you're saying. But... Um, I... <laughs> I, I don't know where it goes from there. I mean, jeans with no zippers and uh, and uh, shirts with no uh, with no tucks for uh, upper accoutrements. Um, you know, just gender neutral. I'll be honest. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what the shirt with no tucks thing yeah. is. <laughs> you know that you guys don't know much about. Uh, Sewing. Oh, of course. And of course. Yes. Okay. So you know, women, when you sew a blouse, you have to take into consideration uh, breasts and the size and what have you. Oh, sure. No, no more of that. Oh. So what will it be? Just. Just something you can throw on and hang out, like a t-shirt. So t-shirts are going to become very popular. Although my wife told me that uh, tank tops are no longer allowed on cruises. <coughs> really? Yeah. Probably depends on the cruise line, but some of them are more like strict as far as their formalities. Why? Go. Why is that? Do you know? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll look that. I'm gonna research that. Yeah, don't know. Don't I care. mean, you already sort of see this kind of thing. It's not. It wasn't clothes specific, but I think it was in the last year, maybe in the last two years, no more than a couple years old. Like Target, for example, they have like done away with. Um, I think it was specific to toys, like. Uh, like the boys and girls toy section because mm -hmm. they didn't want to box people in quote unquote is that going to be a continuing trend in the in you know different stores different clothing stores is there is there not going to you know how when you walk into a clothing store there's the obvious boy section and the obvious girl section and you walk in with your wife or your girlfriend and you guys go like this because you, you're looking at different things it's right. a, it's a flash in the pan as far as I'm concerned is it is it is it yeah that's yeah. the question is it is it just another example of the loud being loud but that doesn't represent the majority yeah is that as easy as that yeah i don't know there's I so. I, there's some fashion trends that i've always been a fan of the robe for instance mm. i sport a robe you know the old i'm talking about the medieval robe ah 
There's really no reason why <coughs> why a guy yeah, or a girl we can't not from that? wear the medieval robe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it. So there are there are some uh, you know to cite a more recent example, the Chuck Taylor. Hmm. You know Chuck Taylor's shoes; those they don't have a male or female. They just have hmm. sizes depending on if you're male or female. I like the Nazi uh, leather coats that go all the way to the floor. The dusters. Yeah. Not the not the Western cow that stop cut off at your calf. Are they specific they go, to Nazis? All the I don't know. They're the only, they're the only I'm trying ones, to help you out here. The, the SS are the only ones I ever see wear them all the way to the floor. Really? What about yeah. Catholic priests? No, they don't wear leather coats. I don't know about leather, but they wear like the the, the really road. long. Uh, yeah. yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw a guy recently. But so is it just? So you think that it is not going to be a trend or you think that could be I don't you're just citing examples right I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that in particular being a trend where there's gender neutral clothing Um, I can't imagine that there will ever be a time just because of like the biological needs right I can't imagine that there will ever be a time where they won't make uh, cisgendered clothing Hmm. that being said I think that they they might like distinction it that way, but I mean, come on, it's it's a consumer it's a consumer's world, right? So like they're losing money if they don't make it nuanced or niche, mm. and so they want everything to be like they want everything th- they the ominous they um, that agenda wants everything to be asexual and genderless and so on and so forth but to make money you got to have extra tangents you know extra places for that money to go to so you know like maybe you'll start out with a base level of um a generality where there's no gender but i can't imagine they'll ever go away from having you know things that are more cisgendered in nature and i shudder to use that term because i don't like it Mm. but um I, yeah, I can't imagine they'll ever go away from that simply because, you know, it's that's money. Well, and the reality of it is you're looking at something that's only driven by less than 1% of the entire population. I think it's three. Well, I, no, I don't think so. I think it's less than that. Maybe but in regard point, to fashion. But, but, but the point is, is that you have a whole swath of individuals across the country who are going to be looking for and depending upon traditional fashioning. And and I have to say, have you guys ever watched uh, fashion, the fashion industry uh, come out every year with, uh, you know, they got some people weird walking stuff. on the catwalks and yeah. some of the weird stuff that comes out? That stuff never gets to market. Well, uh, come on. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's it's specific to that world and like being controversial and stuff, but yeah. it, it's never meant to be like a mass produced style or something like it's, it's to them. It's art, right? Yeah. You know, it's a like, flash in the pan. <clears throat> One of the questions I asked initially was, will businesses fear failure if they are not cause based? Do you think that people will start shopping brands based on, I don't know, some sort of mission statement that the brand may or may not need to make in order to stay, um, whatever, stay okay by the people. Stay relevant. Stay yeah. relevant, yeah. Like, do you think that people will start be, be start to look for that in their their preferences? Like, oh, they support this. I, I yeah. like this. Oh, well, they absolutely. don't support this. I, I'm not well, going to touch them. That's, what's hap- that's what happened with the, was it deodorant commercials? or Not only was deodorant, it? but I mean Nike and... You know, yeah, no, I, but I believe that, that companies are going to try to be sensitive <laughs> to that. To but more than sensitive, do you think that the the culture will force them into having an outright like stance on like the latest, you know, issues and topics? Well, the beauty of capitalism is is that um, yes, I do. the The beauty of capitalism is is that the market will drive what will work and what will not work. It's like how you can go to church. Sorry to interrupt. It's like how you can go to churches and you click the tab that says beliefs or whatever. You yeah. Know? Like on the on Nike's website, is there going to be a beliefs section, so to speak? Probably <clears throat> is. It's probably woke too. 
Uh, so I just looked. Time. I just looked it up. Uh, in 2017, there was a Gallup poll that concluded that 4.5 percent of adult Americans identified as LGBT, with a 5.1 percent of women identifying as LGBT, compared to 3.9 percent of men. But a different survey in 2016 from the Williams Institute, so not Gallup, estimated that 0.6 percent of U.S. adults identify as transgender. The interesting thing to note about that is that that is a wide range of um, counter, you know, counterculture sexuality um, within that. So, like, not all, um, not, you know, not all lesbians want to be uh, gender neutral, for instance. And that's a really interesting, and not all, not all uh, homosexuals, like males, want to be, um, gender neutral either in their clothing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a very, very low percent that would want it to be gender neutral, but that's a really interesting question too, because like the, um, the identification with a specific type of clothing in order to identify yourself with a different gender is also interesting. Mm -hmm. Like what happens to those lesbians, for instance, like Ellen, who for the longest time, um, have dressed w- in a way that has been more associated with male dressing. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And robes. then there's also... Robes. Like, I'm it, telling you, robes. That's the, the answer. The, yeah. per- the percentage is low for people that, you know, identify that way and, and, and that, like what you just said. But there's also a percentage of other people, right, that want people to be able to do what they want to do. So what's yeah. that percentage? And is that still a vast minority? Probably, I, but... As, as I get older... But a lot I, of people don't want to ruffle feathers, and so they say, give them what they want, and, you know, they're not... As I get as, older, I, 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 I self-identify as a woman when i got to take a leak, and there's only a woman's bathroom available. Okay. And I, I carry a man purse with me just so that I, you know. You do? No. I didn't think so. At <laughs> most, you carry something on your belt with <laughs> nail clippers. Well, let's be honest. You wear a man purse all the time, right? You have like a yeah, utility I mean. belt or something. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's covered up, but yeah. Toga. Uh, See, John Parker is, agrees with me. He says, Toga. I'm oh. telling you. Yeah. There's something to this like ancient Greco-Roman, you know, these or medieval, like robes and togas and things like that. Hashtag bring back the That's because the John Parker's a party animal, so he identifies And John Parker, Parker in particular is in touch with yeah, his yeah. fashionable to- side. Toga party. Remember toga right. parties, John? <laughs> toga parties. Remember toga parties. Yeah, Animal House. Um, I like it. Hashtag bring back the toga. Bring back the toga. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in the fashion thing. Um, as I try to get a hold of uh, our our call in for talking about it and giving his uh, on the street take on it, but uh, another thing that we have on the on the board for discussion today is um, more on the trend of um, what would you call it with like dead celebrities and artists and such. How would you categorize that, Josh? More on the trend of. Mm. Yes. Okay, I'll just jump into it. Image something. Yeah, so a big thing in the last couple years was like holograms and such, right? Digital casting. Digital casting. Oh, you mean like like, uh, Natalie Cole singing with her father? Uh, I mean, that's a that that's interesting. That's a that would be a really old version of that. Sure. There's. There's a newer. I, I'm, I'm gonna bring the new. I'm gonna bring the younger audience along since you you got the older audience covered. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know who Nat Cole is, that is so sad. So yes to what you said, but there's also things like Michael Jackson in hologram form right. and Carrie right. Fisher being in movies via CGI and so on and so forth. Right, okay, um, yeah. Princess Leia. Sure, but yeah. so. That's been a thing, and Paul Walker even was in the. I think he was one of the first, right? In Fast and the Furious, at the end there. If I don't know if you guys watch those movies, yes. but I mean no, but yes, it was, it was like a whoa, Paul Walker is in the movie, it's still, still in the movie. Yeah. yeah, it was like a jarring thing for us to see. That was a few years ago, but so 
More on that trend. Uh, here's the excerpt from the article. While dead actors like Paul Walker and Carrie Fisher have been resurrected for franchise roles, some creators are already exploring the possibility of casting long-gone stars in new original features. Finding Jack, a Vietnam War film currently in pre-production, has reportedly cast James Dean, who died in 1955 in a car crash at the age of 24, right. as its lead role. So that's crazy. As and its lead, as its lead role, yeah. So it's 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 taking like a huge leap forward in that regard. It's not so just how they a, do that, like CGI. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with have you you know the have you heard heard of the deep fakes? It's, it was a thing in the last year. Yeah, deep no. fakes. So no. basically, through technology, um, anybody I, can be you, I'm which is terrifying. About, I'm all about truth. I don't have anything to do with fakes. You should look it up. It's frightening, actually. Yeah. Deep fakes. Basically, your face can be, um, uh, it yeah. can be worn by someone right. else, and your voice can be. The, there was the Jordan Peterson thing, right, yeah. Josh? Where yeah. um, someone took, I don't know how they do it, but took. Maybe it's like it's it's some sort of algorithm or whatever, where it takes everything the man has ever publicly said, and now you can speak as him. Wow. Right, you just type it in, and yeah. then it uses and it voice. sounds completely well, un like uh, it sounds hundred percent organic. Had you seen wow. the Obama deepfake that mm -hmm. Jordan Peele did? Yeah, that's another one. But so deepfakes was a was a big thing in the last year, and now we have this thing where, as the lead role, James Dean, who died sixty years ago, um, is it, that's that's what's being put on the table. So, what are what is the implication of that? One of the questions I have is, uh, what will it mean if you no longer have a say whatsoever in your legacy because you've been dead for 60 years and now you don't have a choice of whether or not you're being represented in a certain way with the deep fakes thing? Like, what does that mean for us moving no, forward? I, I agree. I think that the legal ramifications have yet to be, mm. have yet to be identified and explored. I mean, like you said, Adam, just the idea that, you know, Somebody could trudge up whatever they want to, and and create out of that that uh, that fake uh, identity that they've established a whole new legacy. Mm -hmm. And now the next generation, the, these kids now, they'll know James Dean from that new movie that's out. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, which is crazy. Like, and and who and he has no say in it. Like. It's a it's well, an interesting he has, time. He has no say in it. And what about well, the his, uh, his, the, his, his estate? His estate will have a say. Well, what but, about the ramifications from the monies and the estate and all that? I mean, I just I can just think of a myriad of legal issues that could come up. We sort of. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Josh. Well, I was just gonna show a clip uh, from this so that Pastor Monty has a context for just how crazy it is. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'll put it, I'll get it on the camera here. This, PSA, this is a clear example of technology that could become more widely used. And ABC's David Wright is here with more. David, this video is proof that we can't believe everything that we see online. Good that is right, Paula. Good morning. Uh, they say that oh, the hold camera... On, hold on, hold on. But technology is advancing so fast... Let's get it. Harmless fun. It's okay, here we go. The message what? here... Classic case of YouTube works fine till you want to show someone. That's right. And then I'll it, find it. I'll and then What I would say is, you know, when when my my oldest son and I would talk about Star Trek, for example, he would always tell me that the technology that we saw right, in okay. Star Trek being developed would would guide us into the future. Mm -hmm. And Can you see this on the camera, Jasmine? Yeah, okay. And, and All right, check this out. It's not long, okay? You're going to have to stress yourself there because I need it on camera. Which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything mm. at any point in time, even if they would never say those things. So, uh, for instance, they could have me <laughs> say things like, uh, I don't know, uh, Killmonger was right, or uh, Ben Carson is in the sunken place, or <laughs> how about this, simply... President Trump is a total and complete dipshit. Oh. Now, you see, I would never say these things, <laughs> at least not in a public address, but someone else would. Someone like Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. This is a dangerous time. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't sign off on that because the voice isn't right. 
Yeah, it's totally spot on. Yes, it is. But it's not exactly. I mean, come on. If you've studied Obama and listened to the way he talks, this is this is not exactly right on. But of course, you're right. I have a well-defined ear. You're right. Of course, you wouldn't be taken in. But the rest of society that is passable by ninety-nine percent of people's standards. Yes. Okay. Back to what I was saying earlier. So Star Trek, um, uh, um, Mission Impossible. Oh, sure. You know, some of those types of things where you see this technology and you see people doing these types of things, it's coming into fruition. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you're right, Adam, it is scary. Uh, William Shatner in particular. William Shatner has, he's like partnered with some sort of company. I mean, the man's like <clears throat> almost 90, but he's partnered with some sort of company to preserve his digital image. Um, and Interesting. And basically... Oh, yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah, and basically to make it so that his estate can cast him and continue to make, like, future things off of him. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I would say, like, I would ask the question, what can we, like, as believers be doing to guard ourselves against that? And the short answer is, you know, living a life above reproach type thing. But right. when you have things like the, like what you just showed, the Jordan Peterson thing, like... That's beyond being like that's taking technology and then completely making a, a voice for you. And it's like, what can you do about that? What can yeah, you do I, about well, that? Well, I think it's I think it's uh, you know living publicly. I know that sounds kind of weird, but so that there's no question of that's right who you were and what you're about and what that's you, right. Hmm. You you got to make you got to start making official statements, you know, and living mm. publicly and being honest with who you are instead of having everything be behind closed doors and subjective and interpretive yeah and i don't i don't think from a legal <clears throat> standpoint we're th this type of issue will take years to work its way through the courts in regard to the protection of public uh, well they've already been they've already been working on that i mean there's yeah, they've already been working on that with various estates. So I think that um, there's, man, I was reading about this. There's, there's a contract for it specifically where they're having like agents build it into uh, um, the contract of their clients, or cli their like clients are starting to have that put into the contract that their their image. Well, for is people preserved. in the industry, sure, for people in the industry, but for common people like us. Um, that will bring up a civil liberties issue, which will need to be addressed by the courts. I mean, look, this sort of thing has has been happening, right? It's just we we have we have uh, like a visual reality now that was unachievable in the past. But come on, like as Bible scholars, theologians, right? There's the term pseudopigrapha, right? Mm -hmm. And it means it means basically people writing under your name, right? Right. The only way that you are able to preserve that is to, to preserve who you are, as opposed to say the Gospel of Thomas or whatever that came. So, for those of you guys who don't know, you guys will hear about other gospels, right? And you'll hear about like other other books that were supposedly lost, right? No, no scholar believes those books were actually written by those people. Um, that being said, the, there were people who would constantly throw, throw, if you were like a famous apostle or something, they would throw your name onto their book to make it seem like you wrote it. So their book would become more famous. And that's, that, that sort of, that's, that's happened That's, that's still popular in Eastern culture. Right. And that's happened forever. So the way that we can tell the reason why no scholars believe that is because we have the actual established writings. Um, of mm -hmm. those of those authors, and yeah. when we compare the two, we can see what's real, and there has to be some critical scholarship that takes place. And I think the same thing is going to happen here: is where people need to be more choosy and discerning about their image, and not not just relying on you know their I don't know relying I don't know not relying on anything to 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 preserve that you know. So if you have a wealth, if you have a huge digital footprint, like I do, for instance, <laughs> then it's, when somebody tries to make you into something that you're not, then you're going to, then they're going to have a hard time. It also means you got to be really careful about your digital footprint. It means you got to like say, for instance, you got to make statements of belief and things like that. And I, I wonder if there's going to be like a new market for that. Well, there is a, there is that commercial that they show on TV occasionally about if you're reputation has been ruined online 
this company will go in and work with you to clean up the damage. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, like a like a firm, some sort of lawyer group of yeah. lawyers or something. Yeah, yeah, they they advertise where if your reputation, uh, I think it's called Reputation Defender mm, or something like that. But what yes, a crazy time! What a crazy time! You can you can specialize in this sort of thing and, and you know yeah. defend yeah. people in that regard. Reputation Defender ranks number one. Reputation yeah, defender. Michael Jackson probably has a. He's got a few reputation. A few defenders. reputation defenders, but the that Poor it's Michael more. I was going to say it's more in that line. That's it's it's more on that same line, which we covered extensively last season with the whole Michael Jackson thing. But dead, but his legacy is still being you know slandered or whatever. Well, despite what what these people are after is money. <clears throat> Yeah, and I don't want to. We don't have to get into that again. Like I said, we covered it last year, but it's just more along that same line as far well, as we did cover last year. But recently in the news, yeah, they the, it got re- they they, they, uh, they were able to take it to civil the court, court. Yeah, the courts gave them permission to proceed. Yeah, right. I just saw so, that. You know, that's, John, that's all about money. John Parker says it goes to the debate of is your image and voice really yours mm-hmm. if it's being videotaped, recorded wherever we go now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah people don't realize the extent of that, but it's true. Everything's listening all the time. I mean, what do you think about that? Like Josh is saying, and I know you have specific views about, you know, public living and stuff, but with where we're at today, like, does that, is that hard for you to um, fathom that you have to live publicly in order that you're not being slandered post? How do you say that posthumously. word? Posthumously. Posthumously, yeah. Well, because I know you have a keep mind your own business stick. Um, so how do you feel? <laughs> no offense. No, no. But no, how no, do you like? How do you okay. how do you reckon like reconcile that? And what do you so think? So if, if, if how do you navigate if, that? If somebody's out there and you think that you're going to duplicate me. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. I mean, you have a pretty good footprint as far as the podcast goes, so I, I, feel, I don't necessarily fear for you. But as far for the record, as, I feel and, like it would be very easy to do for and, you. And posthumously, you know what? I could... Okay, it doesn't matter because I'll be... No dead. offense, Pastor Monty, but you are a straight-up cartoon character. Am I? Am I? <laughs> yes. Uh, well... I, I live publicly anyway. I don't do anything that uh, I would be ashamed of. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have anything to hide. So, you know, and my and the statements that I make, whether on podcast or in person, they are, are exactly equally as offensive. The same. There's That's no exactly shortage correct. of controversial right. comments you've they made are online. <laughs> equally as offensive in person as they are in podcast. That's exactly correct. <laughs> that's, a, that's a motto I live by as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Josh, if you want to get us into the game, uh, oh, okay. we're we're calling in now. Wait, you want the actual game going on? Then? Bring it. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, do I have you guys both? Yes, sir. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can we hear them? Yes, yes, yes. yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure our online audience can hear you. All right, guys. Welcome. We have... Who do we have here? Greg. <laughs> Greg. Hey. My name is John Parker. Oh. So we have a John Parker and we have a Greg. <laughs> <laughs> a Greg couple. No, no relation. There's a lot of mystery behind that, for, <laughs> before, behind the ladder there, but... Uh, okay. <laughs> so... Yeah. So we have, for those listening, we have calling in for season three's first trivia game. Two previous title holders. Um, we are unofficially, officially forcing them to relinquish their belt at season's end each time. So at this point, it's anybody's. It's anybody's belt. Oh, uh, this should be a piece of cake. James Holtower to Mike and Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for all you Jeopardy fans out there. That's right. Okay. Who who won that, by the way? I don't know. Do you know? No? No? Do we know who won? I'm still watching it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 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 No spoilers. He takes his Jeopardy very seriously. (laughs) He doesn't miss an episode. (laughs) 
and he, he, yeah, he's heartbroken over Trebek. Anyways, okay, so if you were listening at the beginning, this week's episode is, um, you know, pop culture trends related, and this week's game is uh, reflecting back on the last decade's pop culture trends slash events. So, I have ten trivia questions uh, for you guys. Can you guys still hear me? Because it sounds like World War III is happening in the back of one of your guys' houses. Anyways, okay, so here we go. First question. A certain show embodied this pop culture trend of the 2010s with its uber-popular main series adapted from a comic book, several spinoffs, as well as an entire other show and podcast dedicated to weekly debriefs. What was this trend of the 2010s? The Walking Dead? The trend. So, there we go. Who said zombies? That would be me. That was the best. All right, way to way to way to piggyback the Walking Dead that he threw your way. That was a gift. But yes, the trend was zombies of 2010s was a huge it was a huge thing. Um, lots of movies and TV shows based on zombies and Walking Dead uh, really um, encapsulating it the best. So one nothing to Greg. <laughs> All right, next question. This book series made premium TV show this book series made premium TV show became impossible to escape when you went back to work on Monday. Move on move over spring, summer and fall. Game of Thrones. There you go. Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. No, that was John, I believe. So one to one. Third question. Simply, here we go. Third, third question. Simply, Kevin Feige's brainchild. <laughs> Kevin Feige's brainchild. Oh, I know the name, but I can't. This is really disappointing, guys. This is really disappointing. His brainchild. Okay, time's up. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kevin Feige is the executive who who orchestrated the entire thing. Next question, still one-to-one. Kneeling became professional athletes' favorite pastime when this person decided that the best way to send a message was during the national anthem. Colin Kaepernick. There it is. Colin Kaepernick, previously of the San Francisco 49ers. I thought it was uh, Chris Kirkpatrick from the uh, Sync. Currently and still unemployed. Yeah, he's trying. Two to one to John. Next question. Americans will be hoping for more grace as they age after Warren Beatty mixed up these two Best Picture nominees. It was a big thing a couple years ago. Got a lot of crap for it. You're looking for the two Best Picture nominees that he mixed up when he announced the winner. <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's... I've got nothing. And the answer was La La Land and Moonlight were the two movies he mixed up. He announced La La Land, but really the winner was Moonlight. And it was the whole thing. Uh, next question, still two to one to John. Many of these pink and blue parties went awry when couples tried getting a little too creative in the last decade. Oh, gender reveals. Woo! We have a game on our hands. Greg comes in hot with the gender reveal parties. That's correct. They went as far as lighting forests on fire and sending themselves to the hospital, (laughs) blowing cars up. It's pretty crazy. So much for balloons and and cakes. Um, Next up, two to two. Hashtags were big, but never bigger when this movement swept the world and the truth was let out. Me too. Oh. (laughs) John. John. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We... <laughs> that word is is considered PG nowadays. So as long as it doesn't go further than that, Greg. Next question, and it's three to two to John. When a parent's investment in your future goes a little too far, you get this big moment of the late two thousand tens. Oh, 
Repeat that. When a parent's investment in your future goes a little too far, you get this big moment of the late 2010s. Well, that's in the, that parents were paying for college for their kids, or they, they were surprised that. The college admissions scandal, correct. <clears throat> Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin? Laughlin. Uh, there are two questions left, and John is ahead four to two. So, uh, if if this next question doesn't go the right way for Greg, then it's 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 decided. Here we go. Social media evolved to another ugly form when this platform made your next meal the most exciting thing of your day, and influencers were born. Born. Instagram is correct. Good job, John. And lastly, lastly. This unique garment became a symbol for women's rights after President Trump was inaugurated, and those who protested in Antarctica were probably the most appreciative of them. Women's garment? The scarf? <laughs> no. A beanie? Oh, a beanie? Uh, what kind of beanie? Uh no, we're think we're a little bit more um, disgusting than that. Oh, oh, oh I, I know. <laughs> Do <Okay>. your best. <laughs> they pink women's reproductive rights hats. Yes. All right, good job, guys. John Parker, you are the official and first title holder of the new decade, winning five to three against Greg. Okay. See you guys later. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. All right. So I, what do we have next? Agitprop. Have you heard of the term agitprop? No. Let me read this for Sounds you. Sounds like a sports drink. Let me read this for you. From President Trump being in office to worldwide movements centered around climate change and immigration, it can be easy to look at the modern era and argue that nothing can be apolitical any longer. What's more interesting, though, is the uptick in directors who are using the public's intensified interest in politics to make movies that serve as calls to arms. From 2019 films like Dark Waters and The Report, Thrillers that underscore the broken American political system are more than just propaganda. They're a uniquely 21st century genre that's coming into its own. The first question, is that true? Is this actually a new phenomenon? I do not agree. Yeah, I don't agree either. Me neither. Hence me saying that as the first question. Why why are we thinking that's... Why is this person suggesting that it's a new phenomenon? Just being out of touch? (laughs) Not knowing history? Because they're not students of film? I don't like. Come on, look at Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, you guys know Birth of a Nation? Yeah. Let me post it. I think it was recently remade. Wasn't well, it? not students. Of, <laughs> and, and and also, this he's trying to assert that that our uh, our political system is broken. And on the contrary, what we see happening in our political system right now means it's very much alive. Explain. Well, in, in short, in short, in short, explain. The the uh, at the at at the foundation of our political system is the concept of presenting a position and debating that position, and allowing the public to be able to see the positions and to debate those positions. While I agree that the ultra left try to shut down discussion, there's been significant fight back. Uh, to get positions out and to and to bring about discussions. So no, I disagree. We're very. It's our system is not broken in any way. Well, I mean, just like I said, look at Birth of a Nation. You know, the in regard to the Klansmen. I mean that. Oh yeah. That yeah. happened what in 1915. Yeah. Look at look at um, like Hitler's propaganda that was out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people have been used ever since there was a media. Any media, whether it's radio or you know movies or books, I mean, people have been using it to advance a position 
you know, that's humanity. Well, if you want to go back into it, I mean, yeah, yeah. Citizen Kane and, yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, uh, have been used to, to promote that. So, no, I, he's out of touch. So, <clears throat> well, that was hot. Um, a question is, will this, will this medium, like this person suggesting in the movies and such, will this, will this become people's sole influence in their social political leanings? No, I think that's possible. Do you think that people are going to go to the movies to be educated on an issue, and yeah. then that's where they'll get their stance from? It's like in that movie Dark Waters, man. Don't you see? Yeah. Do you think that's a thing that will only intensify, uh, unfortunately, moving forward? One <clears throat> of the one of the da- in my view, one of the dangers of we where we are at educationally and sociologically is is. Uh, the lack of depth of information that people absorb and take as truth. So, you know, a Wikipedia generation or a Google generation, listen, I get this all the time when I ask a question in class and I get the deer in the headlights look. Let me let me respond with a quick counter to that question or to that point you made, though, is how do we go about discerning truth when traditional journalism is becoming more and more... Shaking, gra- shaky ground. Well, and let know? me let me add to. So I hear what you're saying, but look at what's come out in the last few years with these so su- supposedly respected journalists and outlets and such. Like, what does that even mean? Oh yeah, no, I know, I know exactly. What you're let saying. me add to the degradation factor in regard to media. I think the thing, I think a really good indicator of where we're at in terms of people wanting to get their their positions from the media goes back to the Michael Jackson documentary, mm-hmm. right? That he, was a big one. Yep. The, so the here, one and everyone was yeah. talking about it. So here it you have the, the Leaving Neverland documentary, the HBO documentary, mm-hmm. where people are building their whole positions off of this documentary that provides no criticism. It All it provides is opinion, but there's no criticism. There's not right. multiple angles by which to study something. Right. This documentary is winning awards. So from that standpoint, I would say that when, you, when you're taking fiction and nonfiction and blending them together and calling this real, calling it a documentary, but it's losing all of its standards for that, then it's not hard to go the other way, come at it from the other side and take a fiction piece and say, this is real. Yeah. Um, so a, then a piece that you're calling fiction. So then a convincing opinion is all that's needed anymore. Yeah. Like a... a well-crafted, a well-spoken. Story. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's all that, because people aren't willing, just aren't willing right. to look at the facts. We talk, Like I said, we talked about it a lot last season, like those FBI re- uh, reports and such, those are public record now that you yeah. can look at as far as what they discovered or didn't discover and so on and so forth, but you, people just didn't care to look at it. No, they don't. All they, they saw was this really enticing and compelling um, supposed first-hand experience or from these individuals, and, and now that's that's the talk conversation at work. Well, not only is it the conversation, but now the courts have changed their position and mm-hmm. are allowing that to be like what we talk, yeah, just yeah. Yeah. put it in civil court now. Mm-hmm. And we see we see a change over the last forty years of of uh, media, particularly uh, producers and directors. They they used to. Uh, surreptitiously put into their scripts and into what they were producing uh, things to try to influence society. But now they're just downright overt. Yeah, they don't even try to hide it. Yeah, they just say, you know, we believe that part of our job is to take this position and to try to promote this position. So what, I mean, like, what's the the point in our systems anymore if you have the criminal court and then... You're, you know, you're uh, found innocent or whatever in the case of Michael Jackson. But then, like we just talked about, and you can still be taken to civil court and who knows what will happen there. Like, what's, what do we make of that? Like, what, what do we do about that? Well, an, an interesting, what's the point of it? I was listening to an inter- interesting discussion on uh, Mike, uh, or on uh, Mark Levine's show where he was talking to uh, Horowitz. Um, who, 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 what's that who's name? A professor. He's a he's a professor of law. 
Okay. And he was talking about the fact an allegation had been brought against him, a sexual allegation, in regard to a, whole, a high profile case that he was working on. They were trying to essentially diminish who he was as an individual. And he had, he had absolute documented proof that this supposed event, this alleged event, never took place. But um, he spent, to date, he spent close to a million dollars defending himself from defamation and from other things, trying to, uh, trying to ruin his character because assertions have been made which go against the truth, and he's got proof, but people don't care about that. What they care about is the, is the uh, allegation. Mm. And he says that's, that's where we're coming to uh, in our society today. It just reminds me of going back and looking at Francis Schaeffer's work written 50 years ago. How prophetic when you look at uh, how when you look at his series. How then shall we live? Yeah, just going back on the to the term because I maybe got swept under the rug. But for those that don't know, agitprop means political, basically political propaganda. Yeah, especially in regards to the arts, like yeah. like was mentioned here in, in movies and such. Have you gotten a chance to see Bombshell? No, that's the Fox News I've, one, right? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard so, <clears throat> bom- yeah. Bombshell, pretty well done. Um, like, it was really well done, especially Charlize Theron. Her, she did really well. And her, like, uh, transformation into... She is it usually Kelly? does do good with those. Megan Kelly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was spot on. But anyway... Um, it was interesting to watch it and the allegations that were being thrown out at like Bill O'Reilly in particular right, right. with no um, with no presentation of another narrative. And that, I think, is a interesting, dangerous thing to do because like how do you how do you get around the idea of uh, the ideas of slander and libel? You know what I mean? There's no – he wasn't found guilty in court, for instance, of these things. Um, not, and yet these things are being thrown out there. So how do you get around the idea of slander and libel? Yeah, that's, not that's only that, but he, but he didn't – you know, I listened to an interview with O'Reilly where he was talking about this issue. And he said, look, you can't – it's next to impossible to defend yourself today. He said, and I'm just not going to waste my time. You know, I, I'm just going to take the $23 million and, and run. And so he, he didn't care because he had boatloads well, of money coming to him. And he didn't care whether they were making unfounded allegations or not. No, that's an interesting point, though. And, I, and I, don't, I don't know him, and I don't know what's true and what's not true. But I understand his, his uh, position of being um, tense and un, <laughs> unwinnable. But so... <laughs> This was when Me Too started. James Franco was in support of it. He went to an award show wearing a pin, Me Too, to support the cause, yada, yada, yada. But then not long after that, they turned on him. They turned they? on him, yeah, and, yeah. and then he, did never, he never said anything. Right. He never came out, made a public statement, never did anything like that. Um, again, don't know if it's true, those accusations against him. But his, his, his uh, position eventually was that... <coughs> Like he could try to defend himself, but that would basically put him in a position of damned if I do, damned if I don't. Because if I do defend myself, now I'm being insensitive to this real thing in in some of these women's cases, a lot of them even, um, that they went through these things of sexual abuse and harassment and all these things. But if he if he defends himself now the public will say see you're insensitive blah 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 see all he just wants to make it go away cuz now it's on him and blah 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 so you can understand already his position of being like well no that's not true but i can't defend myself because then they're going to say this and that you know like it's this terrible thing so like well, you said it's it's becoming hard to defend yourself because you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Absolutely. And scripture talks about the necessity for us believers that <clears throat> uh, we need to have integrity in how it is that we live. So this goes back to Josh's comment earlier that you know you you need to leave you need to live out in the public and you need to live in such a way that you know you have integrity in who you are as an individual. Because people are going to make, particularly today with the Me Too uh, uh, movement and all that nonsense, people are, people are going to make accusation, sometimes 
just to try to bring you down. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, Scripture says that uh, you have to have more than just one person uh, that substantiates an allegation. And, but from a legal standpoint, what we have happening is we have an attempt by those on the far left in their, in their philosophical thinking to overturn uh, the foundations of our country based upon the Magna Carta, that you are innocent until proven guilty, and they're trying to say, no, 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 you're guilty, and you have to prove that you're innocent. And so there is a cultural war which has taken place to try to flip that now in our, in our culture. Right. So we have just five minutes left. So I, I just like to put on the record, like, I don't have a problem with the – I don't have a problem. In fact, I like, I suppose, the fact that the, the bad things are coming to light. Right. You know, and I think that that's I think it's appropriate. But I do think that we have to be really careful um, in how we're doing that. Scripture calls us to be really careful in how we're doing mm -hmm. that. I agree. So I think that there has been a lot of looking the other way that um, is highly inappropriate, mm -hmm. evil even. And, you know, I'm glad that people aren't looking the other way. But uh, but people are also swinging the pendulum too, and that is equally as dangerous. Yeah, if yes. if, if Me Too is a is a is a broom, people are just going whoosh, whoosh, sweeping over everything with it instead of like seeing where the actual messes are and then cleaning them up. They're just right. everything is being swept under this huge umbrella of a of a cause, if you will. Well, speaking of the movie industry, I mean, look at what's happening with Harvey Weinstein. And, and, you know, he's, and, and he's currently in trial mm -hmm. on the East Coast, but now the West Coast wants to indict him and bring him to trial as well. His industry, at the time that he was at the height of what he was doing, kind of promoted that whole, you know, uh, old boy type of approach well, of, of the, dealing with They people. looked the other way. And they looked, yeah. the, and people knew it was going on, they looked the other way. So that's entirely appropriate that he be brought to judgment. On the other hand, we look at what happened, for example, with the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings and people's asserting that, you know, uh, you did something 40 years ago that um, is no way can be substantiated or proven one way or the other. I, I agree with Josh 100%. You just it's very dangerous and you have to be very careful. So in the last couple minutes, I just want to open it up and maybe it's unfair to put you guys in a couple minute timeline, but is there, are there other trends? Are there other trends that you envision in the next 10 years that are going to put us in a precarious position as believers and as a, a culture at large, not just believers, but do you envision specific things coming Maybe it's an evolution of something that's already been presented, or you know. I mean, I think the I think the biggest danger in terms of like society to the believer um, has to do like there's a couple fronts. I think in terms of um, in terms of health, I think that there's going to be a a big thing with health that we're already starting to see where you have like what what kind of health the government deciding you've got people on the the train of the government being able to decide what happens to uh to our children um uh, like the and yeah and thing. and yeah i'm i'm talking about the vaccination thing but it goes beyond the vaccination sure thing, mike you know? bloomberg you can't buy big gulps anymore Okay, so I don't have a problem with people taxing things and so on and so forth. But in any case, <clears throat> um, so I think that that's really, really dangerous. I think that that sort of universal power given to the government, um, you know, in a, a very, um, what am I thinking of? Not communist, socialist. Mm. In, a, in a very, like, extreme socialist way that goes beyond economic socialism, but now goes to something bigger than that. Um, I think is really scary, and I think it. I think that 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 Christianity is going to have a really hard time with it, and pretty much every place where we have where we have appreciated religious exemption. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. So there's the health side. I think that um, <clears throat> the identification of 
the the gender identification and sexuality and all of that is going to play a big deal. I think that there's going to be a big push to remove the tax exempt status of the church if it doesn't comply with social standards. Um, so I could see that being a big deal. Um, I think those are the two. I think those are the two main ones. There's stuff with education there too. I think that mm -hmm. the push to uh, remove like classical education. I mean, that's kind of already swept through. We've like replaced classical education in the school system with STEM, um, mm -hmm. and just like very technical things. Right. Um, and I think that um, homeschooling is going to be is going to be weeded out or going to be tried to weed it out. So basically, you have all of these like uh, socialist sort of agendas where we consolidate everything into one and have no like distinctions. Mm. Uh, that I think is kind of where we're headed. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I think that right now we're in a very dangerous position in that, in that uh, it's unclear uh, which side um, will win. And yet from a historical standpoint, those who are more conservative in their views um, tend to grow tired fast and those who are more liberal and uh, so those that are pushing for um, economic as well as uh, um, social economic uh, socialism uh, have a have a long history of being patient and continually pushing their issues and trying to get themselves into places of influence where they can have their issues substantiated so in the educational system, I mean, when I was reading back when I was uh, a young man, nineteen seventeen ish, back in the day, and maybe not quite that far back, <laughs> but you know, when I would read material from the homosexual community, particularly uh, when you look at statements by Globe and others thirty and forty years ago, who said we're not even interested in trying to convert. Uh, our generation into believing that homosexuality is our right and our privilege, uh, that's a waste of our time. Where we're going to focus our, our, uh, our efforts is in going after the children. Yeah. And going after education. And so what you've seen over the past 30 years is a definite, precise, targeted attack upon getting their viewpoint into the educational system. And I think that conservatives react to some of the things that they see happening now, but uh, they lose stamina well, I think in that the fight. And I, that's the danger. I think that that wouldn't be a problem. First of all, I this is going to sound weird, but I applaud them for that forward thinking. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the way that people should be thinking. And I think that the reason why they have been largely successful at getting into the the mindset of the younger generation is simply because the evangelical community hasn't cared about the younger generation. They didn't do their diligence. Yeah. And if the evangelical community had cared about the younger generation and taught them to think with their minds mm -hmm. and defend themselves, um, then they would they would be able to defend those positions when they come across them. Mm -hmm. But because they haven't taught them that way, and they've given the education process over to the school system, which has systematically removed like any sort of, like I said, classical training, like the, the trivium is, yeah. what, is what we call it, yeah. then uh, you know, the kids have been so easily inundated. So I, like, I don't personally have a problem with them, with them taking that approach. I think that's the approach that everybody should take in, oh, regard, I, I, in regard to advancing a position. I'm not in disagreement with you. You're thinking that there's some uh, brilliance in their forward thinking. I'm just saying that from an overall position, that, yes, I believe the church is going to have much to answer for. Yeah. Look at Nancy Percy's writings and her as she deals with trying to explain what happened in regard to uh, uh, the church giving way to uh, Darwinism uh, and, uh, and, and that type of progressive evolution uh, theory in regard to creation. We lost that at the turn of the century several hundred years ago because the church refused to take up and fight uh, for the significance of what God's Word has to say. Now, the church has been doing that ever since the Enlightenment era. I agree. I agree. So that, and, and that's the danger, is that we are being pushed more and more towards that. And uh, when you stand for truth, 
It means you have to be vigilant and stand for truth. Good ending point. Good ending point indeed. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Welcome back to Season 3. Thanks for our callers who called in and wanted to play and our participants online. We had a few at least. Thank you. Um, yeah, just a quick plug for Pastor Monty's podcasts on Tuesdays at 11 a.m., Truth Time it's called. Um, you can still look forward to that. Um, <coughs> that's all that uh, we really have for you to, to, to plug for you uh, this week. So just stay tuned to, you know, our Facebook page. Well, we have a, we got church on Sunday. You guys should pay attention to our weekly sermons that they're, mm. they're coming up here. Yeah, everything is broadcasted. Um, and then, as always, if you're interested in um, what we're talking about, you can go back and, and look at the video, look at the comments, um, reach out to us. Um, yeah, and look for all of our stuff on abfpdx.org. Um, yeah, and if you're without a, a church, um, you can reach out to one of us through our Facebook pages or individually. Um, and we're happy to um, plug you in and, and uh, stimulate truth for you. Um, so, yeah, welcome back to Culture Insanity, and we look forward to next time, two weeks from today at 9. See you guys. And to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship, you are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.